This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Wicca is a nature worship that assumes that duality is complementary, not adversarial. Like other opposites, evil and good coexist. They define each other. While there are such things as evil spirits, the more we focus on positive energies and build our alliances with the spirit realm, the stronger and more protected we become. In holism, evil is the shadow power of good. It is seen as wounded or misguided energy that expresses itself as negativity, cruelty, fear, greed, war, and ignorance, which harms the greater good, such as fouling the water or clear-cutting a forest. For the most part, energy is neutral by nature and guided by intention. In other words, the assumption in Wicca is that we empower what we focus on. Valeria Tellez interviews Susie Peltier, the author of Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs, Discovering Taoist Wicca. Susie Peltier, also known as Lady Red Hawk, has served the Lord and Lady as well as the principle of holism for over 30 years as a certified massage therapist, hypnotherapist, Reiki master, teacher, shaman, interfaith minister, auxiliary chaplain for UCSF Medical Center, third degree Wiccan high priestess, and founder of the neo-Wiccan tradition of Taoist Wicca. With a background in medical anthropology and a degree in holistic health, Susie was intrigued by the use of ritual as an ancient healing tool. She wondered, how does ritual work? What makes this ancient art form so adaptable that it was used for healing worldwide for thousands of years by cultures with very different belief systems? There had to be something practical about it. So why is it virtually absent from modern culture? She wondered how ritual works and if it could be used to address the epidemic of stress and other modern ills. Could ritual help restore the balance, belonging, and empowerment missing in our current cultural values? 26 years ago, she gathered a few friends together to run a unique spiritual and social experiment to explore these questions. This experiment evolved into the practice of Taoist Wicca with practitioners and small covens across the U.S., and an email circle list offering an extended Wiccan and Reiki community to people across the globe. She has written and hosted two internet radio shows. Spiritually speaking, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs can be found on voiceamerica.com backslash show 2033 backslash spiritually dash speaking and Hidden Connections, Exploring the Body-Mind-Spirit Complex Produced by ElevatedRadioFM.com is archived on SusiePeltier.com. Her videos discussing the Sabbaths and other exciting conversations can be found at YouTube.com backslash user backslash Ms. Susie Peltier. Meet Susie at 
DaoistWicca.com and SusiePeltier.com. Here's the interview with Susie Peltier. In your own words, who is Susie Peltier? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I guess if I take up several niches, <laughs> healer, teacher, priestess, friend, those are the broad stroke categories, I suppose. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it sounds very simple, doesn't it? <laughs> the labels that uh, we On- carry. But- <laughs> What would you call that, Susie? I know we carry, you know, even gender, right? Being female, male, all that. And it plays a huge role in us as human beings, the way we uh, operate and uh, on what we do and how we think. I wonder if we can somehow come from a space that's not, let's say, attached to labels. Is it possible to navigate this reality without belief systems and concepts about ourselves? I think the best we can do is evolve. Mm. And so as we evolve, we grow into and out of phases and identities. And I think that reflects a spiritual evolution as well as, you know, a progression of time or interests or anything else. I think being flexible in our self-definition because I don't really kind of think about your question, because in my work as a healer, I do all of those things, uh, yeah. <laughs> just simply in a different setting. So, so I think we just, I think we evolve, and that is, uh, and so the best we can do is kind of, can we operate completely freely of those things? I don't think so, because the minute we interact, people have the simple question of who are you? And then the answer is not simple. So (laughs) (laughs) true. Not at all. Yeah. So, so I think it's, it, it needs to be more fluid than we allow it. I think we're all entitled to grow and change and be, and change our self definitions as that's appropriate. That is in alignment with our evolution, right? And growth. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's so true, Susan, because, mm-hmm. yeah, forcing ourselves to change and define ourselves differently without that evolution occurring, then it's it doesn't sound too fluid, as you said. Right. And, well, it, 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 is not, it is not realistic either. The system I created, Taoist Wicca, is based on Taoist principles, and Taoist principles are very clear. We, re, we balance or we rebalance through change, not through stasis. So the energy has to keep moving. And that means new ideas. That means a willingness to, I I kind of, with my clients, I sometimes talk about, well, you know, this issue, let's imagine it's a coffee table in the center of the room. And if you walk around, you've got different perspectives. You're going to see different things depending on that perspective and learning to kind of walk around that coffee table and check a few perspectives out before you land on one and defend it to the death. Mm. Yeah, true. <laughs> that this should not, you know, that, that there might be, if you look at it differently, there might be more options than your, than your current perspective shows yeah. you. 
to me, that really resonates as magic. Mm -hmm. It is magic, yeah. Right? Is that how you define mm -hmm. magic, Susie? Just seeing the shift in perspective, seeing the possibilities and things differently as we did before? Well, I, I think it's suitable for those outside of Wicca to think of it that way. Um, within Wicca, it's about a shift in consciousness. So frequently, a shift in consciousness does require a willingness to it it includes way more because in the holistic model and that this is uh, my my book ancient wisdom for modern needs uh discovering Taoist wicca is very much about we need a way to check in with ourselves and we need a way to speak to learn to speak to ourselves more gently and encourage the changes we want and in the beginnings of the holistic model are rooted in really paleolithic times caveman times where you know you have this idea they had to be connected with nature they had and they felt nature and that's and so when wiccans think of shape-shifting what are they doing they're shape-shifting consciousness meaning they move from you know as if you had two spheres one representing the seen realm and the other one representing the unseen realm there's a venn diagram that appears where those two overlap that's the world between and so that is is a place of energy where you can shape energy into form or shift to form with energy so what I mean by that is if we take a very simple explanation, if, we, if uh, you're boiling a pot of water, whether it's each healing or each ritual, each step, you're implanting a certain number of calories, a certain amount of energy toward a shift. But like boiling water, it has to get to a critical mass to shift. Consequently, people say, well, why is it so hard to heal? Well, partly because you, it, it takes, we don't know, does it take five more things to heal or 5,000 things more to heal? We can only do hurting the calories we've got at the time. The, the chi, my chi, you know, adds to it as a heal or something to begin to guide it. And so, it, you know, we, we, have the capacity to go back to that mutable world between and start to say, ah, any form I, I'm not comfortable with is still a form made of energy. And if I can shift the energy, either my energy in relation to it, or if I can find another way to look at it or be with it, then the solutions appear. Does that make sense? Uh, it does very, very much. When you speak of shifting consciousness and the healing process to get there, is that something that we always, not always, but for some of us, it takes intention or it's something that's also fluid, that it happens because life, it's looking for that. Happen. Life happens, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think it's a both and. You know, I think we... It's a partnership we form with the universe. And unfortunately, what I in the book, I refer to the crack cultural mirror, which is kind of the way the the culture 
teaches us to look at things, teaches us how to look at, at illness, uh, and it shapes what we believe causes it and what we believe cures it. And also um, just our, our way of relating the, in this culture is it, we view duality as adversarial. And as a healer, there's nothing more damaging because, first of all, of course, if we go back to all of the holistic healings, they're all based on a complementary view of duality. And the, so, so when we talk about how do we heal the culture, individually, we have to begin to step out of the adversarial assumption that duality has it out for us, that there's an enemy, because in the absence of an enemy, you will make one. And in the absence of one outside of you, you'll make one inside of you. And that's part of this, the, the pandemic of stress that uh, spurred me on this quest to understand ritual as a healing, as an underutilized healing tool. Can you give an, an example, Susie, for those who don't know, what would that look like? to live in that state of seeing duality as complementary? Well, I think, uh, you know, if you've ever seen the little, the Taoist symbol, the little yin-yang with the, you know, the black background with the white dot and the white background with the, the black dot, that's a picture of complementary duality. Um, there's always, there are no absolutes. That's what the dot represents. There's always a kernel, a seed of the other within that. So within yin is yang, within yang is yin. And that, that they're, they're comprised, uh, they, they form a mirror for each other and they represent creation and destruction as a cycle. And so in looking at uh, Taoist Wicca, I've adapted that symbol to the wheel of the year, which is the annual cycle uh, that we go through every single year, the seasonal cycle. And um, because we have creation cycles and we have destruction cycles, um, the Bible would say there's a time for everything under heaven, time to reap and, you know, time to sow and so forth. So, so um, it's a pretty universal agricultural idea. And Wicca came out of those early human epochs. Um, as I mentioned, the Paleolithic and then the Neolithic early agriculture and then the Bronze Age um, when you saw the rise of uh, solar deities. So there's what I, I did with a background in Asian medicine and a holistic health degree and a background in medical anthropology, I started looking at, wow, Wicca is actually a healing system. And it's very similar to Taoism and it's very similar to the chakras. Hmm, why isn't it not, why is not anybody explored that? I've never seen a book that discusses Wicca as a holistic healing system, but it is, it's a chi-based system. It, it operates on the assumption and the perception of vital life force energy. I have some um, passages in your book that really caught my attention. And one of which you mentioned earlier about the connection with nature. Mm -hmm. So that how fundamental that is. And I often wonder why, because we are nature, right? Mm -hmm. so we are not yeah. apart from nature. 
But what is that about plants and animals and the earth itself that really kind of speaks to a part of us that is, um, would you say, that is unconscious of that power or kind of, uh, it makes me wonder. I think we have to remove the lens of modern culture. We have to go back to those earlier epochs when people needed to live in nature. They needed to understand it and they needed to respect it. And they did so by learning to perceive energy. And energy is perceptible. It, it, and generally, in my when I train Reiki students, I find that 80% of them, because it's a natural phenomenon, 80% of them, if you tell them, it, you know, they describe an experience, so I'm feeling tingles or I'm, I'm uh, feels like my foot's wake, waking up or something, then, uh, that's cheap. Oh, oh, yeah. When your dog, when you, when you talk to your dog and you get an answer, you're talking through chi. You're talking, your energy speaking to the energy of your dog and back at you, right? So we're, we're not only connected by chi because we're all, all enlivened by chi, quite literally. Then like attracts like. You know, you can kind of, you can, can, can feel, ah, you are alive and I am alive. And through that life force, we do in some way communicate with each other. Um, occasionally I like watching those zoo shows, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> especially because I have horrible allergies and can't ever go to a zoo. It's really fun to kind of see behind the scenes. And uh, it's amazing, these, these still very wild animals, all kinds of animals that you wouldn't think you could train to do anything. They undertake a very slow training to get them accustomed to the checkups they have to, to do occasionally and so forth, you know, build that trust between the, the keepers that will allow the, the animal to keep their mouth open for an extended period of time or, or allow them to look at an abscess or something, you know? So, so that is done through chi. So life force. What they're saying, what they're saying does not matter so much because, you know, if you were to go to a, to a zoo in Poland, the zookeepers obviously speak Polish to these animals. Mm-hmm. They do just fine too. <laughs> so, oh, what, yeah. you know, so what's the communication? What's the real communication factor? Because it it is not words. It is it is chi. How much we suppress that a lot of times, right, Susie? We have not learned to listen to it. Would you say the intuition is part of that chi? Very much so. Actually, you know, I kind of think of think about the body, mind, and spirit as a complex because it, 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 and it's connected by the imagination and the imagination allows the linear left brain to relax, transition into the right brain that works with symbols and uh, taps into the subconscious and the superconscious for that matter. And consequently, I, I think there's an important, the imagination is the bridge between the body, the mind, and the spirit. And reclaiming 
that imagination because generally by by the time kids are 10, oh, that's just your imagination, right? Just is a is is a word minimizing whatever you're talking about. There's nothing more potent or more powerful than the imagination. Everything we use came out of somebody's imagination. The phone we're talking on, uh, your bathtub, <laughs> inside <laughs> yeah. your house, all of that. somebody, that started as a spark of the imagination. And so the challenges we face as humans to save the planet and and to save ourselves, quite frankly, is um, a, a lot about learning to be more respectful and start acknowledging chi. You know, the sad thing about it is we have to borrow a word for life force energy because that's that's the term we use in English, right? Three words to be able to say chi. Now, if we <laughs> if we look at the fact that if I was to say out of a hundred people, life force energy, half the people would 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 scratch their heads about that, at least that, if not more. Consequently, you know, we have to borrow word from another language for and as we do not have the concept in this culture. Right. Uh, and sadly. That yeah. leaves many people bereft, I think. Many people are then challenged. There's a part of them they can't access. Well, you know, remember we have those three aspects um, loosely defined as body, mind, and spirit, right? If we do not value creativity and we do not value the, the imagination, the bridges go down. And that leaves many, you know, there's something big missing and because we don't know what it is we get more stuff or we develop an unhealthy habit or <laughs> you know lots of different ways in which the 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 culture lacking the concept as fundamental as life force uh really you know leaves leaves a big hole and makes it very hard to, uh, you know, we have to get the bridges up before we can access them all again and get them working together. Because that's when real harmony happens, is when you're aligned thought to word to deed, action to result. Yeah, I love this idea. Even when it becomes an intellectual concept of balance, mm -hmm. harmony, it just sounds so good to the body <laughs> mind. It's incredible how it resonates. And excuse me, those aren't lofty ideas. What I tried to do in the book was was illustrate, you know, how how we grapple with these concepts all the time, but we call them something else. So the so the 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 missing, you know, if 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 people are kind of going, yeah, I, I'm just not, you know, I've got a malaise, I can't shake, and then. Uh, then you go digging around, oh, yeah, you know, gee, my father died two years ago, and I don't know if I ever really grieved that the way, you know, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we kind of need, to, uh, need to, to, to bring some focus and allow your being, that means all of you, body, mind, and spirit, to process, not just the mind. 
Wow, there's so many questions for you. Way too many. (laughs) (laughs) They keep coming, too many. The idea of balance, um, harmony, it's not a destination, right, Susie? It's It's not. No, it it is not. It, It is a momentary state of being. And and so if you if we think back to that Tao, um, the yin yang symbol, there's a squiggle down the middle, right? That squiggle means that the energy is constantly moving. It's a dance, and they're dance partners, and so they make the movements look fluid, and they move as one, but they're really two partners right? That's what complementary duality really means. And that the change is always there because that's the only way we can create balance. We can't create balance as a stasis. It's simply a snapshot in time. And the, the goal is to string as many of those snapshots, to, positive snapshots together, but recognizing that things are until they change. And things are always changing, even when we don't want them to, even when we got it wired just right. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it funny? Yeah. You know? So, so, but we've created in, in that view of adversarial duality, we have created an enemy of change. When change is the natural means through which we create balance. Yeah. So we're really working against ourselves and uh, you know as a healer i i just i just kind of thought well why was ritual used for thousands of years around the globe cultures that had nothing to do with each other would did healing rituals for example the built when that when they finally built cities or temple complexes they usually were aligned with the heavens uh, and with the equinoxes and solstices. So it was, it was an, you know, an attempt to remain in alignment with change and use the impetus of change instead of fighting it. And that's, that's the process of Taoist Wicca. The, the wheel of the year is an agricultural calendar. And consequently, you know, we have our planting half of the year is planting or that's your creation cycle. Half of the the year is your harvest. That's your destruction cycle. And consequently, if we tailor make the introspection to coincide with these touchstones that the Sabbaths represent, then we can cultivate ourselves and begin to use the energy of a particular Sabbath in a way that we harness that energy and can use it better, more efficiently, more effectively toward the things we want rather than toward the things we don't want. I wonder if there's a form of moving that feels so good to the body, mind, and spirit that we don't even notice that it's moving. Like now it is moving. We all, everything is moving, but it, it flows. That's what it is. It seems like that's what it is, right, Susie? There's mm-hmm. a, a feeling of uh, a state of flow when we are not resisting to change. Precisely. And, and so we, we've created a very sick culture. It is literally making people sick with 
the adversarial duality we see it we it's pervasive in our politics the 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 polarization and you know everything's got a good bad i can't tell you how many clients have kind of i've made a comment about the chief oh is that good or bad (laughs) it's neither one (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's really about what the chief's doing right now the chief might not be doing that in tomorrow or uh even an hour from now but that's that that's what it's doing now and in healing it's just about one mandate, one prime directive, move the chi. If you get enough chi moving, the person's being knows how to allocate that energy toward their best, their highest good, you know? So, so instead of trying to plan it, okay, well, you know, I have to do, to work on the liver, I have to be in the liver. No. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not necessarily. Uh, (laughs) We have to get enough chi moving that the, the, the body has something to work with to rebalance. And, and what we've created is a culture that's really antithetical to life. There are three things missing in this culture, mm. balance, belonging, and empowerment. Mm, yeah, that's the section in your book, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I believe there are three key, those three are pillars or foundations to a healthy society. And we are, don't even have... The, any either any of them as uh, our cultural priorities they are not even values they fall off the map entirely and that means we are creating a a lot of uh, politics are about um, exclusion rather than inclusion uh, that's that's one way to look at that and you know if you consistently undereducate a segment of the population, then they lack the power. Then eventually, as William, as uh, Durant pointed out, you know, that's the seed of a revolution. So there's a lot of things that, that a lot of ways we've been trained to relate to the cult, crack cultural mirror and desperately try to grab that brass ring on a merry-go-round that, that is, is, it's a so what proposition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Okay, so what? <laughs> uh, I love how how much fun you have to uh, talking about these things. Um, that speaks for itself. How free the energy is flowing through you, yeah. <laughs> even around these topics, right? Yes, Susan? <laughs> thank you. Well, you know, I really just I love medical anthropology, and so the idea that culture shapes how we view healing. And how we, what we think causes ailments and what we believe cures it. And being in the trenches, you know, as a massage therapist, hypnotherapist and Reiki master, I've been, I've been in the, in in the trenches with the, with uh, stress and stress management for a very long time. And it just kept rolling around, you know, ritual could help this. We need community. That's the belonging piece. Ah, and we need empowerment frequently if you gather a few people who are willing to kind of assume that when they gather they are beholding i behold the goddess in you you behold the goddess in me and so forth and so on so we can begin to exercise that part of us that speaks from an alignment that speaks from that place of being divine you know, when I kind of think of what, what does that mean, I kind of think about it, it's like 
good old Carl Sagan, you know, kind of said we're all star stuff because fundamentally we have the same atoms left over from the Big Bang. You can't get any more connected Mm -hmm. than that. (laughs) True. You know? And yet we focus on things that disconnect us and then we make enemies of them. And then we wonder why we're stressed out and getting sick. (laughs) Wow. Another powerful insight. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All of, you know, unlike a lot of people, I did not explore Wicca because I wanted something cool to do. I I was coming at it as a healer looking for a, 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 an, a tool, another healing tool, but I wanted to understand it in words that we use in modern day. I wanted to be, you know, and the more I looked at these systems, the more I realized, you know, a part of what makes us crazy is that we keep looking at what is different and assuming difference is difficult. And I wanted to, and so, you know, I brought in what I knew from massage, the the, the Taoism and the, the Asian medical model and the chakra system, which I, I use quite a bit as well, and, and kind of said, oh, yeah, well, let's use the similar two system. But, you know, just like in mathematics, you have the little equal and then the squiggle on top, right? <laughs> They're similar, right? And so let's get over the fact that, you know, a little difference makes all the difference. A difference is difficult. It's not necessarily. It's intriguing. And sometimes you need different words, different systems to help you explain the phenomenon you're looking at. Have you heard of a time in history where we were in a, in alignment as humanity, just so balanced with this idea of duality that we had peace on Earth? Do you know of any time? Um, there's a lot of debate. Uh, we do know that most spirituality was goddess-centered originally, and um, because we find uh, little goddess votives and pregnant lady statues and all kinds of things, you know, in, in some of our oldest finds. So it is postulated that that there was more harmony. But also we have to remember that our numbers were less. Yes. And true. so, yeah. you know, yeah. you didn't have people rubbing elbows with everybody else. And you had a small tribe, you know, it was big to have 50 people. And the, but you still had to learn to cooperate. And because especially in the U.S., this rugged individualism, you know, it's your fault you're sick. No, not entirely. (laughs) I've been listening to the crack cultural mirror. No wonder I'm nuts, you know. So (laughs) so I think there there were, within tribal life, there probably was greater harmony. But humans being humans, there probably was some politics and some, you know, people that didn't, didn't like each other. You know, I don't think people in and of themselves were terribly different. I think the setting was very different. And they understood that that in order to survive, they had to work together. And that didn't matter whether it was raising kids or bringing down a woolly mammoth. 
the point was you had to work together or none of you would make it. And if you got ostracized from the tribe, that was tantamount to a death sentence. And that that is part of the reason we respond so viscerally to the need to belong. So that's the ancestral cords, right? Precisely, precisely. You know, it's in our DNA, really, the survival, the impetus to survive. And the, but we learn the art of cooperation and we have unlearned it. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's deteriorating by the day this capacity to work together toward a common good. We, you know, the schisms are so great. We can't, we, we, we don't know what the common good is anymore, let alone work with that person. Oh, hell no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, my, and, my. and so mm-hmm. I think it was probably easier in a smaller group, but I, I think that the humans are humans. And so we're, you know, I think they had the same failings and foibles that, that we do. Um, they just and, kind of addressed or dealt with them differently. Yeah, they had a different system. Yes. Right? Or more yes. wisdom, per se. Uh, yeah, or saw uh, saw the world differently, you know. Um, we see it very punitively. We relate to, if we are relating to a deity, generally that's punitive as well. And so... I think the difficulty within one's spirit is a long brewing schism between we've created between the body, the mind, and the spirit. And that's the reason I created Taoist Wicca is to say, one, it would be great to have friends to play with because I'm an only child. The, The other thing was just, okay, well, you know, here I've got a wonderful group of people who are, you know, who appreciate me and are, you know, willing to humor me. Let's run the experiment. Let's see if, if by coming together and working together to, in, in, in a ritual, can we, can we support each other? And can we begin to bring out the best in each other? And, um, and it worked. And, and I've had, that, I've had a, a, some kind of circle for, yeah, 26 years. So the so the my book Ancient Wisdom for Modern Needs uh, Discovering Taoist Wicca came out of that work. My friend said, "Well, you know, we want to play, but you'll have to tell us what to say and why we're saying it." So I started with a little ritual scripts and did my little research, and <laughs> gratefully because I came up through a, a, a new college of California that's a very left of center alternative school. I knew how to how to do a practicum. I knew how to set, do, set up a tutorial. So, so I just said, okay, well, I'm really curious about this. Let me roll up my see- sleeves and see what I find out. And that's, that's how the book and my upcoming book, Hidden Connections, Spiritual Self-Coaching and Seasonal Contemplations is the companion essay piece. The first book, uh, Ancient Wisdom, is uh, is kind of about about the journey. It's about what I've learned and why I believe it's essential to our health. This is a stress management tool. And, you know, so it isn't being frivolous or anything like that. You know, it's a way to keep yourself on track for the things that you know in your heart you want to work on. And um, 
and have have a loving support system for that, that we encourage each other and brainstorm with each other and so forth. And then hidden connections is going to be uh, the conceptual piece, the part that you can read a little bit daily and, you know, for inspiration or to look at, at the theme of a, uh, a particular Sabbath and make it timely for you. So, for example, we're recording this on the 22nd of March. We're pretty much right on top of spring equinox. Spring equinox is equal. You see equal in, in the word equinox. Equinox simply means you've got an equal length day and night. And we have two of those. We have a spring equinox and an autumn equinox. Spring equinox, um, I focus on the importance of reclaiming our imagination and our creativity. This is key, you know, because once again, if we're going to, we have to to nurture the creative because we've got a lot of problems we don't currently have solutions for. How are those going solutions going to arise through the imagination? So we have to reclaim it. And Osara is um, the name of that particular holiday in the agricultural calendar. And it's for a Saxon goddess that was named Ostara. And from it, you get the term Easter. And bunnies and chicks and all of the, the symbols we associate with Easter, she's, she's the goddess of dawn, new beginnings, and springtime. So a lot of practices kind of have little remnants of earlier belief systems incorporated it because it made conversion easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. A yeah. lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, be, uh, mm-hmm. so so this is a time to to in the system we had we were reborn at the midwinter solstice, the longest night of the year. The sun, and from that point on, the, the light was growing. Then uh, February 2nd, that's, we call it in bulk. It's, it's the, the first planting. We focus on commitment and issues with commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, helpful. <laughs> um, and so we make commitments for the things that we know we need to work on in order to satisfy the intention we set at Yule. And then at Ostara, we add the ABCs, the actual steps. And then we call in the allies, seen and unseen, to kind of help us with with that. You know, we don't accomplish things on our own. It does take a village. And uh, so let's say you wanted to focus on good health. you set that as an intention. And then at Imbolc, you would set that as a commitment. You know, you're really committed to it, but what are the steps you need to take? Ah, A, I need to see the dentist. (laughs) B, (laughs) I need to find a workout buddy. You know, those kind of tangible steps that now you have something in black and white that you can, can say, good, right. Now I know what I'm about. I will check things off. And and it's thought to word, thought to word, action to result. So, so it's an entire you're aligned in your being toward these things, and that you touch touch bases in these 
eight Sabbaths that celebrate these seasonal changes and the changes within us because we're, we're, there's impetus to do certain kinds of work at this certain times of the year. And this is the full heart. This is, this is your full planting. You got to get these seeds in. Well, what are your seeds? Well, it's the intention, it's your commitment and what you're going to do about it, the steps for that. The real planting is, you know, the ABCs of that. And then later on, you can call yourself to task on it. Ah, well, you know, I didn't do so great on that one, but I got these done. So I'm going to focus now. And you can look then at what you're harvesting, you know. And if you've, yeah, we're always throwing a curve or maybe you changed your mind. It's all fine. We just need to teach ourselves to be accountable to ourselves without harsh judgment, you know? Ah, well, so when you ask me how on earth did it, did, did I work on this book for 26 years? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the way I did it. You know, I'm going to publish a successful book and every year that was my commitment. And then what are the steps I need? And the steps for this year, now that one of them is out it, are different than when I it was in the writing phase, you know? So so as you change, as you grow, as your needs grow, you you can begin to to, to use it, that skill for things that you tailor to you. I just ask the questions. I don't perceive that I have the answer for any one. Um, I can tell you this approach works. I have a lot of people in my circle. 13 years, 10 years, you know, people who've been practicing it. And these are people, very busy people. It, believe me, if it didn't work, they wouldn't be there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. It you know, it, it's true. Because, um, you know, it, and, and in it, I've managed to build a, a, a beautiful community who in turn have, have really um, uh, helped a lot in the manifestation of this book. Right. You know, for example, the photos of the altars that oh, you find yeah, in ancient yeah. wisdom for modern needs are um, are actual photos of actual altars that we have used, and they were taken by members of yeah. the group. It's lovely. So, yeah, yeah really I lovely. believe power shared is power gained. Susie, I absolutely love your message. How you communicate the message to you embodying the message is another, completely oh, another you. story. <laughs> it's beautiful. For today, we're almost at the end of this conversation, but I would love to continue at some point. I had so many notes here and so many other uh, questions to ask, but <laughs> it's how life is, right? It flows sometimes, especially when we are in alignment with it, when we're open to it. Absolutely. I've enjoyed myself thoroughly. Thank you so very much. Yeah, me too. So thank you so much again <laughs> for being you and for being open to life. In your work, your book, of course, it's rich. And I had made so many notes here. Where can we find more information about you? If somebody wants to know more about what you do and how you do it. The best way to find you, what would that be? I have uh, two websites. Um, one is uh, suzypeltier.com, and that's S-U-Z-Y-P-E-L-T-I-E-R.com, suzypeltier.com. I also have Taoist Wicca 
com. So that's T as in Tom, A-O-I-S-T-W-I-C-C-A.com. Wonderful. I'll have those two links on your podcast profile too. Thank, Thank you, you so much again for your presence, message and wisdom. And we'll talk soon. We'll be in touch again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank Bye-bye. you, Susan. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Susie Peltier and her work, and to subscribe to the email list and receive original writings, updates of events, meet our talented coven members, download individual rituals, packing lists, and other support materials, please visit DaoistWicca.com and SusiePeltier.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.